Hello, Peter Giannoli here and welcome to the Marketing 24-7 podcast. In this podcast, I'm going to tell you about how I nearly had my backside handed to me in a plate this particular week due to something that I reacted to that I really shouldn't have reacted to. And as a consequence, there's a business lesson that I'm prepared to pass on to you today. Keep your enemies close. A well-known saying. For some silly reason, I always thought the saying came from the mafia. But in actual fact, with a bit of research, it's credited to Sun Tzu. Keep your friends close, but keep your enemies even closer. Now, this relates to something that I've been working on. There's a podcast that I love, and I'm going to put the podcast link in the show notes of this episode, called My First Million. It's a great podcast, and I must admit, I get a lot of inspiration, ideas from it. Anyways, it must be a US thing, perhaps, but there's a fan newsletter inspired by a journalist based in Texas, and he basically does a newsletter that he puts out on Beehive weekly, which, which summarises the My First Million podcast. And in some instances, he claims that he digs a little deeper and he provides more information. In truth, that doesn't seem the case. Anyways, that newsletter came up for sale. And because of my interest in the podcast, I explored the newsletter as to whether I might buy it and whether it might be something good to add to my publishing stable. So anyway, I started to analyse it. Of course, the negative was that the content was from a podcast where there was no direct connection. The guy was a fan and he had started this newsletter. So there was no connection. My first million, the podcasters either didn't know about the newsletter or didn't care about the newsletter, but they certainly weren't promoting it. And as a consequence of that, I felt that the the exercise was a little bit fraudulent. But it looked like it was a promising newsletter. It looked like it had some capacity to grow. The other thing that was difficult about this was it was in the US and the time difference was about, well, minus 15 hours from where I am, which makes it really awkward to communicate and then ultimately negotiate. I suppose the positive with this, though, was because someone else, as in the My First Million podcasters, were producing the content, that I could see that I could probably just outsource this project to a newsletter writer, a journalist of some description, and they would get the content from the podcast and they would summarise it and then I could add my bits and pieces to the newsletter. So as a standalone business, it was probably going to be okay. But the other thing I realised was he hadn't really monetized this newsletter. He wasn't selling ads. Um, he certainly wasn't selling any products. And as a lot of you might know, um, I do a lot of products in the entrepreneurial space. And so therefore, I could easily monetize this newsletter and probably get a decent earn out of it. At least that's what I was starting to sum up. But the best thing was when I really started to negotiate with the guy about how much he wanted for the newsletter versus how many um, subscribers he had, he had well into the thousands. 
it looked like that the cost per lead was going to be something like $2.50, uh, Australian dollars that is, that I was going to be able to bring in this large number of leads into my network and therefore I could grow my database quite considerably at not a great expense. So it was really that arbitrage of dollars per leads because I know if I'm searching for leads via Facebook campaigns and the like, it costs me about $6 a lead. Of course, if you listen to one of my podcasts, podcast number 146, I actually tell you how I end up not paying anything for my leads, but that's another story. So on the on the uh, long and short of this, when I weighed up the negatives, which was, well, they didn't really own the content and it was a little bit deceptive, I felt. But when I looked at the positives, I could outsource it totally to a journalist. Um, it was building quite nicely in terms of uh, subscribers and the cost per subscriber being around the $2.50, I realised that it was a pretty good deal to purchase. So I started negotiating with the seller. And over email, because there was another thing, the timing wasn't 100% right for me because I had a fair bit of travel on. I had to go to Singapore, I'm going to Sydney in a couple of weeks, and I've got a Europe trip coming up. So the timing wasn't great, but I wanted to secure it. So in negotiating with this guy, we came to an arrangement where I would put the money into escrow and he would maintain the newsletter for two weeks and then he would take the money. By that stage, he would have given me the keys to the under the hood and I would then carry on the newsletter there on after. Just as we were coming to the end of the negotiation, he says to me, oh, look, this newsletter is part of a stable. I've got another one as well. And it's a similar fan-based um, newsletter. Would you like to buy that one? I said, well, tell me about it. Anyway, I had a look at the podcast that it was inspired by. And as good as it is, um, it wasn't my area of expertise. And yes, I could be bringing in more leads into my database, but those leads were subscribing to something that I don't particularly know a lot about. So I politely declined and said, no, look, I'll just buy the first one. That will do. So he said, fine. So um, he sent me a, a via escrow, E-S-C-R-O-W, he sent me a contract. And um, I looked at the contract seemed pretty right and so I deposited the money into this company called escrow and then ultimately he would send me the keys all would be good he'd take the money I'd take the newsletter away we go now as it turned out the guy wasn't the most honorable businessman or business person should I say and he was obviously continuing trying to sell not only the one that we'd done a deal on, but the other one that he said was part of the stable. And as it turned out, despite the fact my money was sitting in escrow, despite the fact he knew my money was in escrow, and despite the fact that he said, oh, look, yep, I've, I can see the money's there. I've just got to give you a couple of documents as to how to. Despite all that, he obviously continued to try and sell both. Well, as it would happen, he sends me an email. It's a sorry email saying, oh, sorry, but I found someone that wanted to buy both. 
So our deal's off. I'll get you your money back out of escrow, maybe. End of communication. This is where I made my first, well, not my first, because there's a few other errors I made along the way, but this is where I probably made my biggest error. The email came out of the blue. It was very dishonourable in my regard. It was a disgraceful act. It was a dog act, if you're being an Australian, to be truthful. And I reacted by basically telling him that, that his behaviour was disgraceful, and I did this in an email, and that I wouldn't do that to somebody I didn't think he should. So I sent him an angry, angry email, and I sent it in haste, which honestly was quite dumb, because he probably now has an excuse as to why he hasn't been overly cooperative in assisting me in getting my money back, which, once again, he should have, if you're being honourable. He had he asked the deal, I agreed to the deal, he reneged on the deal, and now he's not even helping me get my money back, which is actually bad pull. But by me acting in anger and sending him that first email immediately after the rejection... I probably fueled his, well, whatever I fueled. It was dumb. I should have kept my enemy close. I should have swallowed my pride, I suppose. I should have accepted his rejection until at least I got my money back. And then perhaps I could tell him what I really thought of him down the track. So the old, um, what is it? Um, reaction, reaction, or, or um, I, you know, in, um, incident, response. It's sometimes wise to have a cold shower, a good night's sleep, perhaps a cup of coffee, perhaps a cup of tea before you react. And you know what? By and large, I'm pretty good at that. By and large, I deal with honourable people. But in this instance, I got dudded. And I let my anger take over. Now, I didn't call him anything bad. I mean, I didn't swear. I didn't act barbaric. But I did let him know that it was a disgraceful act, in my opinion. So that was dumb on my part. I should have just kept my enemy close until at least the right outcome occurred. What other mistakes did I make? Well, there were a couple, actually, when I look back at it. I trusted the guy. I mean, we had a lengthy series of emails, we had a lengthy uh, negotiation, and we got to an outcome. So I just assumed if once he said yes, and once he sent a contract through, that he would honour it. When I really read that contract, I saw there was no real drop-dead clause, no real date by which he had to hand over all the bits and pieces. Yes, we had that in our email exchange, but on the contract using this company called Escrow, who at the end of the day look at their contract, there was nothing there, no date for me to trigger, hey, look, this guy hasn't given it to me, so please give me back my money. So that was lesson number one. Lesson number two, I signed up to escrow as Peter Giannoli, me the individual. But I transferred the money into escrow via my company name. And so even though the funds were there, even though the funds were taken out of my bank, 
even though they had told this guy, the seller, look, the funds are there, we can't yet let you know whether they're kosher. Because obviously in the world today, um, money laundering's become a bit of an issue. So because I had one identity, Peter Giannoli, and then another identity, my company name, um, perhaps those funds weren't mine, or perhaps they were laundered funds. So it took about a week of back and forth public documents, and once again dealing with this 15-hour time difference, to prove that my company was indeed my company, as in Peter Giannoli's company, and the money was one and the same. So there's another lesson learnt. If you're dealing overseas and dealing with a third party, they're going to have to be able to prove no money laundering's taken place. So make sure you've got your entities in place. Now, reading the policies and finding out where things are, escrow now have a thing, or they do have a thing, that says if one of the people, the buyer and or the seller, says, look, the deal's off, um, they can enact a 48-hour button, which means now escrow has a 48-hour button of which I've ticked and said, yes, um, I'm happy to call this thing off in 48 hours. Surprise, surprise, even though this guy um, has no intention of selling me the thing, he's yet to have ticked the 48-hour button, click the 48-hour button. Maybe if I had him still friendly, maybe if I'd sent back a nice, polite, oh, I understand, it's unlucky email, rather than act in my anger, he might have clicked it for now. In time, that 48 hours will lapse, and in time, I'll get my money back. How am I coping with this? Well, there's another lesson here, which I'll probably share with you another time, but there's something I've been working on called friction time, and that is any things that irritate me, like taxes, or in this instance, getting my money back, or chasing people who owe me money, Friction, you know, the stuff that's annoying. Well, rather than ponder them, I allocate times in my diary. I allocate three times a month where I'll deal with friction. That way, I only really ruin three times a month rather than have it constantly on my mind and annoying me all the time. You should try that. Um, some people um, deal with things like this in different ways. I like to deal with things by chunking it. I'm most creative when I chunk my creative activities. I'm most efficient when I do certain things with a singular focus. The same applies with what I like to call friction time. So anyway, that's my lesson. Pity, I thought I could have got that large bounce in um, my database for what I feel was a very good cost. As my mother says, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Thought I'd had a deal, didn't turn out that way. So be the case. But I've learnt, like anything, if you make a blue, don't belt yourself up. See what you can learn from it. Certainly what I've learnt is, number one, Sun Tzu came up with it, not the mafia. And number two, I need to remember it. Keep your friends close, but hey, keep your enemies closer. I'm Peter Giannoli. This is Marketing 24-7, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Speak again soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this podcast and would like to have more sales and marketing 24-7 information wherever you go, then I'd love you to download my new free Marketing 24-7 app. 
My sales and marketing 24-7 mobile app is now alive and well, and I'm now in a position to invite you into its orbit. In it, you'll find heaps of free resources and training, along with some of my best ideas and strategies. Over time, I'll also be making all of my training courses available in this mobile app format, as I know a lot of you are glued to your mobile and would enjoy learning things in whatever the strange places there are that you take your mobile with you. So, if you're interested in checking out my free Marketing 24-7 mobile app, for lots of marketing and sales strategies, tips, training, and all things sales and marketing, please go to my website, petergiannoli.com forward slash app. That is petergiannoli.com forward slash app, being a double P. Download the app and all the information will be yours.